am I ready? <clears throat> the question was, am I ready? And the answer is, yes, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes, I'm <laughs> I don't even know. Sorry, uh, I should introduce the show. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. It is approximately, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. Had a turn up in my throat. Yesterday was a frog. Uh, it is approximately 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and you are watching Living on a Thin Line, which is our daily, uh, not podcast, but a community that we have formed here on Facebook Live, on YouTube, on the Comedy Schools channel, and in an audio presentation on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. My name is Tony Visick, and this is episode 18, if you can believe that. Uh, a while back, a few weeks back, a, a friend who I actually made on Facebook, uh, a songwriter, a man who had written songs for uh, uh, Dusty Springfield and uh, uh, other luminaries uh, who I'd made friends with on Facebook, uh, suggested, he said, you should do this every day. Well, you know, so we got something to hang on to here because uh, the only daily things that are really being cranked out right now are the news, you know, and the news is... Uh, the news is the news, man. So we need a distraction. We need a diversion. We need something not to take us away, not to make us irresponsible, but something to give us a, a minor break in the middle of the day from all the hoo-ha and going-ons uh, throughout the entire world. Right now, it's just uh, you and I hanging out together. Uh, this is kind of a fun thing that we do. I do it live from uh, Arizona. I am in Arizona. Uh, pop on. Uh, give me a wave. Let me know... Uh, let me know where you are. Let me know what you're doing. Um, I've had a pretty uneventful day as far as these days go nowadays. Uh, it's not going to be uneventful in a little bit in a work, uh, work-wise is that I have uh, three, count them, three uh, one-on-one FaceTime consultations with uh, comedy writers. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I'll be doing uh, kind of like what I'm doing here with you guys, only with uh, three writers. So, Casper uh, Suarez, as I might over, I may overreact. Um, you know, there's a lot of that going on right now. There's a lot of that going on. I'm doing this to give my uh, give myself a little uh, emotional and mental well-being, and hopefully for you guys too. We do a couple things every day. I show you either some cool autograph that I have, and then I recommend a couple of classic albums. Uh, but I will also talk about whatever you guys want to talk about whenever you want to talk about it. Uh, we go about 30 minutes. Um, you know, we're going to work on like improving the set, you know, right now what you're seeing is uh, I don't like like on the Facebook page, how much ceiling you got. Uh, this is, you know, this is not a, uh, this is not a call to action right now. I'm, I'm talking to my producer, happens to be my wife, uh, Shirley, uh, Lowe Visick, uh, without whom, uh, none of this would take place. Uh, Patrick Allen says he writes all his jokes on toilet paper now. Um, you know. They, uh, I wouldn't, right now I wouldn't do that, Pat. Right now I'd hold on to them. If I were you, Pat, I, I wouldn't hold on to the jokes. I'd write them on something else. You know what? I'd get some uh, sidewalk chalk and write them on sidewalk chalk and use the toilet paper for its appropriate uh, purpose. I have not been to the store now in several days. Uh, he says I have a great ceiling. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you for complimenting our ceiling. Um, I've been to the store many days. I don't know what the uh, what's going on out there with uh, what's available and what's not available. We're kind of good for, um, <clears throat> probably could go three weeks without uh, going to buy food, uh, two, three weeks without going to buy food. 
and uh, about that time or a little longer without having to buy any other paper products or commodities. <clears throat> we have become, uh, much like many of you, we've become very parsimonious. Have you noticed, okay, in the last few weeks, have you noticed uh, uh, how much uh, uh, better you can get with planning? Have you noticed how much better you can get with uh, doling things out? Have you noticed how much better you can get it going, all right, we, we don't need to wait. How little we are beginning to waste right now. Hello, H.M. Roland in Indiana, man. Good to see you. Patrick Halloran is in, of course, uh, sunny Phoenix. Uh, who else have we got here? I can't really. I see that it says live, and I see that the, the people are on, but those are the only ones saying hi. Let's get to uh, the fun stuff. And uh, keep in mind, you can watch this later on on Facebook Live. It'll be up there uh, if you don't catch it live. And also, always, uh, it'll be on the Comedy Schools channel on YouTube. First thing I got to show you. Are you ready? Here we go. All right, this is cool. This is an autograph thing. Look at that. Show it to my YouTube people. Look at that. Show it to my Facebook people. See that? All right. It's kind of hard to make out. I know. We're doing, we're doing what we can with what we got. This, ladies and gentlemen, is an autographed picture of Stan Musial. Stan Musial, the uh, the legendary St. Louis Cardinal, uh, one of the greatest hitters of all time, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, a uh, uh, for many years a living legend, had a great restaurant in St. Louis, Musial and Biggie's. Um, he, was, he did personify baseball in St. Louis from sometime in the late 40s all the way up through the 60s. So it's an autograph. Right. It's a uh, authentic uh, uh, authentics.com. It's got a certificate of registration. I bought this at, um, I believe I bought it at Bush Stadium uh, when my brother Jerry and I, as adults, went back to visit and went to a baseball game there. And they had these things up for sale. And it was kind of expensive, even at the time. And uh, I said, I said, you know what, if I don't get it now, when do I get it? You know, so... Um, uh, it's it's one of my the coolest things in my collection. There it is. Stan Musial. Okay, if you got any Stan Musial, uh, let's see, Patrick Halloran says, that autograph is worth a 20-pack of ramen. Yes, Patrick, possibly. But one day it'll be worth what it was once again. What it's worth, what these things are worth, you guys, are the joy that they gave to you when you own things like this. And when you go back and you take a look, hello, Lily. You Lily, tell Jerry that I was showing everybody my autograph Stan Musial uh, picture. Uh, Linda Dan Daniels Hernandez says, well, hello from Solomon. Stay well. That's Linda's down in Texas. Okay, Lily is waving. All right, she gives us three heart signs. So, you know, uh, for a lot of times, collectibles then uh, begin to acquire value. It's like paintings, like a Picasso painting or something acquires a great amount of value. And in the 20th century, especially in the latter half of the 20th century, moving in, uh, things like autographs uh, and memorabilia, memorabilia began to take on a certain amount of value. But the real value that they gave you was the ability to feel connected with something larger than yourself. So having an autograph picture, I'm going to show it to you again of Stan Musial. There you go. There you go. Having an autograph, I'm going to put it away now. Having an autograph picture of Stan Musial. Okay, or having a baseball player signed by, you know, a boyhood hero, something like that. It's not so much the monetary value, but the kind of connection that it gave you inside. And that's kind of what we're doing here, guys, is we're forming this connection 
on a daily basis, you know, and hopefully it gives you uh, some respite. Hopefully it makes you feel good. Hopefully we, um, we still have a little fun. You still got to have a little fun. You still got to have a little fun. Um, I hope you don't think of this as too grim of a joke. I'm trying to stay away from grim jokes nowadays. But um, uh, comedic minds will come up with comedy even in the most dire of circumstances. Uh, Oscar Wilde was uh, uh, an incredible wit, an incredible wit and a uh, bon vivant and uh, uh, quite the controversial figure in Victorian England uh, and a writer. And... Um, uh, he was also always ran afoul of the law. They put him in prison for being lewd, etc. Um, but his name is still remembered. Here's the thing to remember when we look back over time. No one remembers the names of the prosecutors who put Lenny Bruce in jail. They remember Lenny Bruce. No one remembers the names of the people who pilloried Oscar Wilde. They remember Oscar Wilde. And to show you what I mean about a true sense of humor... This is a very funny man. Uh, when he was um, when he was going on to his reward, when he was dying, he was laying in a uh, hotel room that was uh, uh, kind of below hotel rooms he'd stayed at during his heyday. Matter of fact, it was kind of a rough joint, and supposedly the wallpaper was hideous, just hideous. And he's sitting there with a few friends who are uh, uh, keeping vigil, and he looks up and points at the wallpaper and goes. One of us must go. So um, there was also another story of a uh, of a vaudevillian doctor, and I don't know a vaudevillian comic, and I don't know um, uh, the name. I just know the story, and it may be an apocryphal story. But uh, the comic who was a touring performer in the early 20th century, in the early 1900s, he had um, a heart attack. He had a heart attack, and uh, he's laying there, and someone comes up and goes, "Do you want me to get?" He's staying in a hotel, and they go, "You want me to get you the house doctor?" He goes, no, hell no, get me a people doctor. So um, comics re oftentimes retain their sense of humor throughout uh, times of great adversity. Uh, you are going to retain your sense of humor too through times of great adversity. Um, a lot of this is just anxiety for so many of us right now because of a massive disruption, a massive disruption in the way that we conduct our lives and our, uh, our footprint becoming uh, very small. Our foot be becoming very small. You know, there were times prior to this when I didn't leave the house for a whole week. Or I didn't leave the neighborhood anyway. You know, so um, uh, I, I, I think it must be rough on someone in their 20s. You know, a lot of teenagers, they're not getting it. You know, I, I understand they don't get it. And we got to be a little kind with them. So they're going, dumb punk kids. Uh, everybody's just doing the best they can. I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best I can. All right. I showed you the Stan Musial. I'll show you it again. I'm really proud of that. That's a living legend. That's a Hall of Fame baseball player. That's um, three Hall of Famers. I have Anazi Smith, uh, autographed baseball. He's a Hall of Famer. Luis Gonzalez, I believe, is a Hall of Famer. And, of course, the Stan Musial picture. Now let's get into the rock and roll, shall we? Let's get into albums I'm going to recommend or artists I'm going to recommend and I'm recommending them to uh, uh, two types of people out there, people who have never heard of them before. So you can now go ahead and you, uh, YouTube them or Google them. And I'm um, also recommending them people who used to listen to them and love them, and they had gone by the wayside as the years went by. Uh, Rich Scheider says, is this a Corona auction? No, Rich, there are no sales being made today, but God damn it, it's good to see you. 
one of the funniest men in America, uh, and uh, all the ports at sea. Richard Scheidner has joined us here on Living on a Thin Line. So uh, good to see you, man. Uh, no, I'm not giving that away. We talked about this earlier. It's not so much the value of the item monetarily, but the, how good it made me feel to have it and how good it makes me feel to have it. You know, uh, feeling that connection to something uh, special and above and beyond me. Uh, kind of like when I was your opening act in um, 86. So, all right, we're moving on to the records we're going to uh, recommend now because we recommend a cut. Like I said, we're recommending people never heard these people before. Google or YouTube them. For those of you that loved them at one time, all right, and you've forgotten about them, let's remember them again. And the first one's kind of simple, kind of easy. All right, and it's this. Everybody see that? Nope. Everybody see that? Very cool. Very cool. What is that? I mean, I know you're seeing it backwards because of the mirror image thing. This is The Doors, and it is the self-titled album, The Doors. And what I'm looking for here, hold on if I can find it. I can't find it right now. I actually had the um, I actually had the uh, uh, plastic and it finally came off in the little sticker that shit. It, I bought it at a place called Peaches Record Store. Peaches Record Store, which was a huge and important uh, record store chain in the Midwest, and it was uh, all of four dollars and ninety eight cents. So uh, break on through. So on this, yes, the first uh, first song in this album was a break on through, break on through to the other side, break on through, Soul Kitchen, Crystal Ship, 20th Century Fox, which was a big hit, uh, Alabama Song, Whiskey Bar, oh, show me the way to the, and of course, the monster, the mammoth monster, Light My Fire, uh, Light My Fire, which was done by dozens of people, Side 2, all on the same album, Backdoor Man, I Looked at You, End of the Night, uh, Take It As It Comes, and The End, the end, which was uh, stunningly, stunningly good. So this is The Doors' first album. You look how young and oddly innocent Jim Morrison <coughs> are oddly curious. Hell, I don't know what he looks like there. there. And to think that this album, what it did career-wise, uh, uh, did, did for this band, that they became, with this, with this album alone, uh, put themselves in the pantheon of rock legends, of music legends, period. That's right, the end. Until the end. And you imagine, for those of you that don't know, who don't remember, because I'm 64, a lot of you in your 60s, some of your 50s, you imagine being a little kid, 12, 13 years old, 1966, 67, 68, and there's a new radio format, okay, and the radio format is FM, Okay, the AM Top 40. Weird thing was, at one time on AM, on, uh, on AM radio, on the big hit radios like KXOK in St. Louis, the top 10 would contain a Burt Bacharach song and a Bob Dylan song. It'd have a Ray Conniff song and a Birds song, okay, because it was just the top 10. But then there was a split starting in the uh, mid to late 60s. There was FM stations. Uh, FM was just, you know, kind of not paid, to, paid attention to. It was just uh, uh, for music freaks to listen to um, uh, symphony on because the, the, the uh, signal was so clear, but not as far reaching as an AM uh, signal. And all of a sudden, rock music started being played on FM, and then it all got moved over there. Can you imagine being a 12 or 13-year-old kid? 12 or 13-year-old kid, okay, in a little country town in House Springs, Missouri, and turning on 
FM radio, turn on KC95 and hearing the end. And if you've never heard that song before, you want to Google it and listen to it. And then the power to light my fire, just that opening riff that, bam, it was almost an opening riff, very similar to uh, Dylan's um, Like a Rolling Stone. It was almost like that rim shot, bam, and then Oregon that uh, uh, just kind of was like a shot. They said about the rim shot that opens up the song Like a Rolling Stone. Uh, was that was the rim shot heard around the world. So uh, Mary, uh, Cousin Mimi says, Peaches was way back time and a great album. Rich Edner says, Father? That's right. <laughs> tested with Codeine and Crystal Ship. Ain't no going back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Airplane glue and Crystal Ship. <laughs> 72 cents a quart. Boone's Farm and Crystal Ship. All right. And there ain't no going back. So uh, this is an album you want to go back to and listen again. I urge you that if you have these records, uh, if you're a uh, um, if you're a grown up uh, if you're a grown up person like uh, me own damn self uh, or my brother Jerry or Rich or some of the other people here that you listen to the entire album and listen to the uh, the deep cuts that are kind of forgotten because they're quite good too. H.M. Rowland says I do every baseball game 162 on the porch on 700 a.m. WLW. Uh, you do or you did? Is that what you did, uh, A.J. Roland? Do you listen to every baseball game on uh, AM uh, WLW? Yeah. Those AM stations back then, go Reds 21. <laughs> all right. Uh, those AM stations sometimes could re- reach all across the nation. The next album we're going to talk about, it's actually the next artist. It's not this album in particular, but this artist, okay? And here he is. And there he is, my YouTube friends. Like I said, it's probably backwards. Once again, great art. And it's a uh, guy in a suit with a black tie. You see that? And the guy is and he, he's at a, a dancing school. And the name of this uh, album is um, Bad Luck Streak in Dancing School by none other than uh, the wonderful Warren Zevon. Um, playing on this guitar, by the way, was David Lindley. Um, uh, Waddy Wachtel, Don Felder, Don Felder from the Eagles, um, Jackson Brown, Joe Walsh. Uh, that was quite a crew of those late 70s, uh, 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 80s um, uh, kind of Southern rock, not Southern rock, Southern California rock uh, organization. You know, uh, you talk about the Wrecking Crew, which was all the guys that played on all, all those mid 60s hits. But there was a wrecking crew in their own right in Southern California that was kind of like the umbrella of the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt and all the artists that uh, played on these song, on these albums. Glenn Fry was on this album. Uh, I'm trying to look and see if there was anybody else. Of uh, huge um, uh, Linda Ronstadt and J.D. Souther did harmonies on this album. Uh, Kevin Brown says, what was the bobblehead for today if there was one? We're out of bobbleheads. What I showed everybody. All right. So Kevin Brown joined late. We're going to show this to Kevin, okay? Here, this is what we showed everybody, Kev. Right there. We're on to autograph memorabilia. Shirley's looking at the bobbleheads to see if there was... All right, according to Shirley, I have one more bobblehead, and um, uh, I, but we'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. We're going to work through every piece of memorabilia in this room. We're going to work through every piece of memorabilia in this room, but we're not wasting memorabilia, ladies and gentlemen. We're not doing that. We're not going to go, all right, we're going to show two pieces of memorabilia today. No, 
We are learning how to how to maximize the potential of what we already have. That's what we're doing. And because of that, now that I've discovered that I do have one more bobblehead, I will show that bobblehead, even though the bobblehead series is over. Okay? H.M. Uh, Roland, uh, uh, Roland replying to H.M. Roland, John Bonham. Ernie Green, hello, Ernie. So let's talk about Warren Zevon for a moment. Kevin Brown, did you see that? It was an autographed stand usual. Uh, well, it wasn't. Well, that would mean that I had the human being stand usual and autographed him, uh, which I did not do. Although they did become popular at some point in the 80s with rock, with uh, girls wanting to have their, uh, their breast uh, um, autographed by uh, rock stars. So that was actually autographing human beings. So, uh, but I did not autograph that human being. Okay, I did not autograph that human being. I, uh, I got an autograph from that human being, Stan Musial, Hall of Famer. Uh, Kevin Brown says, well, who surely, Diane Howell says, that's an ideal plan, save it for any day, although it's not going to rain tomorrow. Uh, Trey Goodman says he saw Warren Zevon five or six times and, and was amazing to see him live. Yes, yes. Um, uh, and I saw him about four times. Rich Eider says, that's your Zevon album. Doesn't get any better than Excitable Boy Side One. And I agree, Rich, and I actually own that album. And I own, I think, almost all of Warren Zevon's albums. But as I was rooting through the closet today, as we're going through the magical closet, looking for memorabilia, I thought I would come up with an offbeat one, okay, that has a nice album cover. So there it is. Uh, and, and by the way, even though this was not his most impressive album, the lineup of uh, uh, musicians was quite impressive. Um, yes, yes, Excitable Boy, side one, stunning album. If you've never listened to Warren uh, Zevon, uh, I would recommend uh, one of my all-time favorite by him is Desperados Under the Eaves. Uh, we could go on and on. If anybody else here wants to say um, uh, wants to say what their favorite Warren Zevon song might be, uh, "Hasten Down the Wind," uh, uh, incredible piece of music. Desperado Under the Eaves um, uh, with that opening line. I was sitting in a Hollywood Hawaiian hotel. Yeah. I was listening to the air conditioner hum. So uh, that wasn't actually the opening line, but uh, it's actually, uh, Jerry says that Bad Luck Streak and Dancing School is actually his favorite Zevon album. Uh, Muhammad's Radio. Great, great, great. Yes. Uh, went down to see my man. He hangs out down on Alvarado Street at the Pioneer Chicken Stand. Uh, both my Jerry, uh, there's three of us on here who have actually met Warren Zevon. Uh, my brother Jerry met him in a grocery store in Hollywood. Talked with him for a little while. Um, I met him, uh, in Adventures in Sobriety, as did, uh, my friend Rich Scheidner. We actually tried to talk Warren into going with us to our gym when we both worked out at West Hollywood 24-Hour Fitness before it became completely West Hollywood 24 Fitness. Uh, but he, uh, Warren Ziva, Rich Scheidner and I talking in front of a church on Gower Avenue, which I thought was so poetic because he mentions Gower Avenue in one of his songs. That's right, Carmelita. Yeah, I'm sorry, Carmelita. So, um, and Rich and I talking to him and trying to talk him into um, going with us to our gym. And he goes, well, I already joined it. I already joined this one gym, and, and I just feel obligated to go there. And, and I go, which one is it? He goes, I don't remember the name. I, I call it Spandex Paradise, which encapsulated, encapsulated a, uh, uh, right there, a guy who could, Make uh, come up with a, a title like that for a gym that really kind of embodied what the uh, uh, the era was like in the gyms in that time. And this is 
sometime 86, 87. Rich also did an interview with him for MTV. So we got people on here who love Warren. We have people on here who uh, uh, met Warren. Um, like I said, my brother Jerry, um, I don't know if you want to type out your story. Jerry, tell us. Jerry just met him in a, uh, uh, Jerry met him at a grocery store. Uh, uh, Bob Dylan references Zevon in his new song. Yeah, I haven't listened to that song yet. I'm holding on. I'm going to listen to that that 17 minute uh, wonder of uh, of uh, uh, Bob Dylan's uh, Sports Erection. <laughs> Was that the name of the gym you and I went to? Rich Sports Erection. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, Jerry met Warren Zevon in a Rite Aid in Hollywood, okay, and struck up a conversation with him, okay, uh, and uh, uh, I actually asked him one time, uh, our gym was Sports Connection or Sports Erection? Yes, yes, that was it, right there on Yenta Monica Boulevard, uh, and that's where uh, Rich and I became pals, that's primarily where we became pals, we had met each other in a couple other venues, a woman named Claudia Lanau had introduced me to Rich because um, uh, she thought that I should be a stand-up comic and said that he was funny. And uh, one of those was uh, true, and one of them was a um, still undetermined, um, uh, still undetermined the uh, the benefits of that idea. Uh, but Jerry, I met him at a Rite Aid, so uh, and uh, had a conversation. I'm trying to remember Jerry your conversation when you asked him. Um, when he was going to play here, and he goes, well, I am here. Nobody's asked me. Uh, but you and I will talk later, and you'll tell me the conversation, and I'll be able to share it with everyone here. So that's what we showed you today. We showed you, uh, we showed you a uh, autographed Stan Musial uh, picture. Really, really great. Makes me feel good to have it. What do you have in your home that makes you feel good? Okay? Find those things that make you feel good, all right? I have that. We talked about the Doors. We're going to talk about all these bands uh, in more depth later on. Jerry Visick. Okay, this is Warren Zevon's story. I asked him when he was coming to town again, and he said, I live in town. And he walked me over to a window, and he pointed to the Hollywood Hills, and he said, I live right up there. <laughs> so thank you, Rich. Rich, you're a funny guy. She was right. Uh, you know what, Richie? It's been a hell of a ride, ain't it? It has been one hell of a ride. All right, <clears throat> from the depths of drunken alcoholism on Hollywood Boulevard, not knowing how I was going to pay the rent, to uh, 35 years of sobriety, and uh, oftentimes going, how am I going to spend all this money? How am I going to spend all this dough? To going, how am I going to pay the rent? To now, to uh, uh, a historic time in all of our lives, it has been and will continue to be one hell of a ride. I love that, Jerry. That Warren Zevon walked you over to a a window at a Rite Aid and pointed at the Hollywood Hills and goes, uh, I, I live in town. I live right up there. Try to do my best for and Zivon uh, voice. We're going to kind of, uh, what time is it, Cheryl? Where are we at? Okay, I got it. We're going to wrap it up. We're only doing 30 minutes a day, guys. We're doing 30 minutes a day. We got other stuff to do, but this is something that we kind of build our day around now. Our days have changed. Our nights have changed. What we can watch has changed. What we can talk about has changed. Uh, like I said, we realized that there was no new sports programming uh, there's no new production of film or television. Uh, and so we're going to have to entertain ourselves. We're going to have to entertain ourselves. We're going to have to uh, have a new way of looking at things. You know, comedy in the age of FaceTime, comedy in the age of Zoom. Okay, relationships, 
with people we love on FaceTime, relationships with people we love on the age of Zoom, uh, in the age of Zoom. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. Uh, remember, uh, remember this, okay? All right, the darkest hour is right before the dawn. This too shall pass, all right? And it's not in your time, it's God's time, and he has a plan for you. All right, I'm going to go. See you all tomorrow. See you all tomorrow at 2 p.m. here, Mountain Standard Time, living on a thin line. Bye-bye.